Welcome to Adventures in Marketing. I'm Caleb Wines. And I'm Chris Kent. We're two industry veterans who will be having conversations all around marketing and media, what we've seen in our careers, what we see happening currently, and how we think it's going to affect the future of the industry. There was a time when Apple was not the behemoth it is today. Back in the late 90s, Steve Jobs had returned to the helm of the company he founded and was attempting to return it to its former glory. Working on that business from an advertising standpoint marks a career highlight for anyone who is lucky to be a part of that amazing and crazy time in the business. Today, Chris and I are joined by Andrew Schaefer, and the three of us recount some of the stories and experiences of having been part of that roller coaster. everyone. Welcome to Adventures in Marketing. Today we have our special guest, our first one, Andrew Schaefer, who Chris and I worked on the Apple business back in the day, and that's today's subject. What was it like to work on Apple in the Steve Jobs era? Andrew, tell us what what we need to know. <laughs> tell us the magic, Andrew. Bring it on. Well, first of all, I'm so, first of all, it's so great to see you both. Because uh, it's been a long time, um, and uh, so I'm super excited to be your first guest. Honored, in fact. And um, Apple, yeah, I'm I'm so excited to talk about Apple because it was one of the most. I think at the time, I don't I don't think I realized, and I'm sure you'll both agree. I don't think I realized how lucky we all were to be not only with people like Steve Jobs and you know all those people that made Apple great and still great, but just the and people Lee Clow and Lee Clow, yeah. yeah, of yeah. course. But just, yeah, you, you know, looking back on those times, you realize all the brilliant people that you got to come across in this in this little microcosm that lived around Steve Jobs and Apple at that time in history. So I think I was thinking about it. I think I predated both of you. I think I started before each of you guys joined the business. You know, one thing I wanted to ask is there has been a ton of biopics written about Steve Jobs in the Apple era, books, TV shows, et cetera. I've read and watched none of them so funny you say that yeah. either no none of them and part of it was i lived it i already knew, i already knew what happened i didn't need somebody else's take on it i knew it would never match up with you know my firsthand experience it's so weird it's i agree it's just like i didn't for me it was just like yeah i was there for most of it i would extend that to even talking about it i mean with the exception of today i am not the guy that sits there and talks about well, when I was working on Apple, I just never did it. And I, this is really the first time, like to say, I've, I've obviously thought about it and I've obviously, it's come up here and there, but I've never been that person. And I just, I don't know what it is. It just makes me feel, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea why I wouldn't do it. And my dad, like my dad gave me the Steve Jobs book for Christmas a couple of years ago. It's still sitting yeah. over there. I've never even cracked it. Never, never even cracked it. Yeah. You know, I think it's partly because, you can't ever recreate that experience. It was such a special time and it was so crazy. Like I was saying, like it was crazy. Great. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, it, yeah. it was, it was nuts while you were in it. And it, there was almost, there was days where you just had to laugh because if you didn't laugh, you would cry. Yeah. It's so funny. Uh, remember George Neal, who was the CMO for a while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember I was working on Chrysler years later 
and we were randomly, I'm randomly sitting in one of these meetings at Chrysler where there's probably like maybe 50 people in the room, one of these big rooms where they're going through, here's what's going to be coming in the new, you know, Chrysler blankety blank. And I looked over and I looked at him and he looked at me and it was like, we were in the witness protection program. <laughs> and it was just like, he's not going to acknowledge me. I'm not going to acknowledge him. It never happened. Like we're, we're out now. We're on the other side. We're like, you know, it's like, and I remember he kind of walked away and I was like, George, George, George down the hall. Cause he was just like, yeah, that's, that does no longer my name. I, I remember when I left, when I was, I went to England and worked for two years on Apple in England. Hmm. And when James Vincent was starting Media Arts Lab, you know, we were going to start it over there and I got the job at Wyden and I was just like, it was time as I'm sure you both came, you come to a point where it's just like, I got to get out. I got to get out. I got to get yeah. out. And I remember he was just like, I told him I was resigning and, you know, I didn't want to do it anymore and, you know, et cetera, I got a great job at Wyden and he was like, okay, well, I just want you to know that we're okay. And I was just like, what do you mean we're okay? He's like, you and I, we're okay. We are going to, it's okay. We are okay. And I was just like, I'm getting jumped out of the game. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, and I just, I just left and I just didn't, you know, I don't talk to James anymore. I don't, I mean, I yeah. sent, I sent Lee Clow an email when he retired and he sent one back, but I don't, yeah, it's just, it's just like, it's over now. So really quick, Caleb, as you said, you were first. Right. You then pulled me over like six, eight months, maybe a year, let's call it, after you'd been there. What yep. year, roughly, do you think you started? I remember exactly. It was 1998, and they had just announced the iMac, the the first colored ones. All, the first, not the colored one, the, the first one, one that right. the just the blue one, and it was. They had just announced it, but so like literally, my first day is like, okay, well, you you have to come up with the launch plan for the iMac. And there was like three people on my team. Isn't that crazy? You know, some of the things I remember being in a meeting with Jobs and he was talking about they hadn't, even though he had announced what it was, there was still a lot of the specs that were still being finalized. Yeah. Right. And he was he was saying, like, you know, I could save seven dollars per unit if I don't put this one particular part in. He was talking about a modem. But he said, I'll get lambasted by the media, even though they can never take advantage of the speed thresholds. Yeah. And, you know, but when he gets up at Macworld and, and unveils the final specs, it's as if there was never any other choice. Mm -hmm. And that, that was kind of the beauty of what he did was he had a lot of consternation yeah. in those Marcom meetings. Yeah. But when it came time to unveil the, the next thing, it was always as if it was carved from stone. Yeah. yeah. So I also started in 98. So, again, it must have been towards the tail end. And that must have been the we, first project that they did with that. That was when Shia Dave just got it back then, right? Wasn't I? Well, the no, first because they had, no, they oh. had been running oh, the the, gotcha. from 90. It was like late 97. Right. And so I started like middle, like, I want to say it was like, I, I want to say I started in like August of 98. Right. But then hold on. Cause I, that was the building in Venice, right? Cause I started in the binocular building. Yep, and we were, I we I believe the first generation of um, Think Different geniuses was out, and we were also running the creative that we were making fun of the Intel chips. Remember right. those? Remember that? Yep. Yeah, I remember. I remember those as well. And then Andrew, when did you like? Where were you at now? Kind of like because you were at Shiat working on like ABC. Yeah, I started Shiat. Oh, see, I, I was working on that. ABC, 
television and then you were in that other building yeah we were down the street right we were down the street in the in the no wonder i didn't put it in together. the um well I st- we started we, when i first first started at chiat i started in the binocular building and they had just moved down to the night to the 901 abbott kinney building which was the god what was the architect's name it was a famous architect space, and but it was a it was such a cool spot. But yeah, we that whole place was just ABC, and we just in class in classic shite day fashion just ground that account into <laughs> the ground. Well, I remember the, I remember the day you started because we were sitting back to back at 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 Shiat, and I remember they it's like this is Andrew Schaefer, he's the new you know group account director or whatever your title was, you know, working on Apple, and I just ha- I had that. It was like that scene from Platoon where, you know, <laughs> I got my bag. Where, yeah, it was like you, you were Charlie Sheen and I was like Tom Berenger. Exactly. I had all these like facial scars. Fresh and meat. You were like, hey, guy, how's it going? Fresh meat. I remember yeah. thinking about, I remember, do you remember Louise Dumont? Yeah. Uh, yeah. She was working on ABC with me and I remember her saying, like, I got the, you know, it was like, I got the nod. Like, you, you, we need you to go on to Apple. And I remember talking to her and she was just like, I was like, what do I do? And she's like, well, you got to do it. You can't not. You can't be the one that turned down, you know, being a account director on Apple. Like, and I was just like, oh my God, like, what's that going to be like? And she was just like, all you got to do is just get through two years. Just get yeah. through two years. You can do anything for two years. And I think I was there for like 10. Yeah. <laughs> but I just was like, okay, I'm just going to gut it. I'm just going to do, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. But Apple was such a weird thing. Even at, you know, it was just like, it was that weird group of people that was over in the corner that couldn't talk to anybody else that was always there that was always wearing a path between Lee Cloud's office and it was the place to be. I mean, I'm not sure what it's like now, but back then it was incredible. You know, I did talk to somebody a couple of years ago who had been on Apple for several years and I was picking his brain. He was over at OMD and I was like, you know, what are you guys doing? And a lot of it was the same, right? A lot of the media strategy and a lot of the, obviously the creative strategy, like if you look at the stuff they're, they're doing, it's, it's not that different than when we were right. on the business. I think I can't remember who I was talking to. Just being shocked at how they were desperately trying to keep that system of firefighting running, you know, running to solve the issue, even though it was for, you know, Phil Schiller and not Steve Jobs, which to me was like, I mean, you know, Phil Schiller, say what you will about him and what he's done or Tim. Cook. I mean, I think Tim Cook's actually a yeah. genius as well, but like, you know, getting that machine cranking at a level it needs to crank for someone like Steve Jobs is one thing. I mean, think of all, you know, we need to talk to the, I just remember like, you know, you need to call, you know, Robbie Krieger from the doors to license, you know, remember when Steve was very into like classic rock over white psych with, you know, computers, spinning computers. Oh yeah. Rolling stones. Yeah. Just like all that stuff that you had to do, like, you know, but now doing it for Phil Schiller, it just feels, or Tim, I mean, it just feels like a harder thing to get people that fired up about. Because when we were doing it again, when Steve Jobs was saving, you know, he was changing the world. Like he was like, he was going to, you know, at first I always feel like with Apple, there was always a, there was always something to push against, whether it was like, to your point, Chris, like Intel, like Intel's the bad guy. IBM's the bad guy. Yeah. Uh, digital music is the, ba- you know, the, the messed up music industry is the bad guy. And here's how, here's the solution. Ta-da. Yeah. Um, you know, so it became like this, no, we got to, we have to land a man in the moon by the end of the decade period. <laughs> and that was the way it worked. Yeah. I remember Caleb, when you interviewed me and we got towards the end 
and you're like, dude, I don't know if this account's going to last a year, two yeah. years, right? <laughs> exactly. You, if you go back, the stock was like dead, seven. Or, yeah, I mean, the yeah. stock was like seven or eight dollars a share back then. Like it when was we pretty, started. I mean, I was actually just going to bring that up because when I first started, I was working on that iMac launch plan, and I said, wow, this is either going to kill the company or it's going to save the company because yeah. at the time, like you said, the 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 stock was around ten dollars a share, but the big thing was that their their assets were worth more than the stock, so they were a buyout contender. Yeah. Like so, every day, and this is not a joke. Every day, I'd come in and I'd get a new, I you know, get my Google feed of news articles pertaining to Apple that I had subscribed to, and everyone was like, every day it was a new one. Sun Microsystems to buy Apple, sell it off for parts. Disney to buy Apple, sell it off for parts. Sony to buy Apple, sell it off for parts. And every day it was like another thing. So literally I'd be there working at 10 o'clock at night, working on the iMac plan and also my resume. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what you said that to me. You're like, this is an this is a American brand, right? This is Americana. If we can help restore this brand, it's going to be an amazing ride. Like, exactly. And, and the founder's back. So go for it. You're, you're at Shia Day, right? So from a career perspective, you just got hired into or had the chance to work at one of the premier ad agencies at that time, right? right. With one of the premier people being Steve Jobs for what he'd done in the past. And so you're kind of like, well, I'm in my mid twenties. If I'm going to take a gamble, this is, let's go for it. Like this is, and, and the, the ride worked. No, it's true. I know exactly what you're saying. I think one of the great thing is like, we've all been so fortunate enough to work on great brands. Like, yeah. You know, it's like I look at again. We talked earlier about getting people's resumes and seeing the. We used to joke about this, Caleb. Remember, like the low. You know, you get a resume from the guy who's working on the Lowry's seasoned spice <laughs> business. <laughs> we're, we're number one in the seasoning spice business. So it's like I, you know, thank God I'm not that guy. You know, like it just, it really, it just, cha it changes your perspective on what you would do. But I also, I, I always tell people, friends at Wyden, who are like, you know, they're working on like Visa or. Coca-Cola, you know, and it's like, they're like, oh my God, this is miserable. This is miserable. And I just well, always everybody say like, always people, when I tell them the story about the stock price, they say, oh, you must have bought so much. And oh, I was I like, I didn't buy anything. Me it's either. like, yeah. number one, I didn't have any discretionary income. Exactly. I could buy I shares. didn't have the money. And you thought yeah. it was going to tank. And I thought it was going to tank. <laughs> like, I thought it was like, at any moment, it could literally, there was like a, it was like crap. So you like, it, it could either win everything or lose everything with every subsequent launch. Like when they came out with the iPod. Right. This is the thing about jobs. Like they never innovate anything. They've always says take something that's already out there and make it better. Right. Like when we did the iPod, there was already like, I want to say like 120 MP3 players yeah, on exactly. the market. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But their genius was making it easy to use. It was right. easy to get your music, to sort it, to play it back, which is what consumers wanted. And again, if you if you go back to the iMac, uh, I don't even know if you guys know the story. Do you know why they use the letter I in iMac? Mm -mm. I forget. <laughs> so this kind of this I have to peel back the onion a little bit. <laughs> so Jobs, huge music fan. He came up with the name Apple Computer because of Apple Music. In fact, they had this uh, agreement in place that Apple would never get into the music business with the Beatles, which their recording company was at Apple Music. And of course, they got sued once they started getting into iTunes, which they settled out of court. But the original name for the iMac, and Andy Burnt told me this story, the original name for, I, I, I can't even say this with a straight face, but the original name for the iMac was Rocket Man. Oh, God. 
And the reason he loved the song, he loved the song, but he also loved the Walkman. And because right. he, he was saying like, hey, the Walkman is synonymous with portable music. That yellow even Walkman. If you, yeah, yep. even if you're using some other like, yep. you know, Casio or Sharp or whatever, some other brand, you, you're, you still call it a Walkman. And he goes, I want this computer to be have that same kind of thing that it's yeah. it's an all-in-one computer and people say oh you know you're on rocket man or, or whatever and i think andy was telling the story that he suggested it's like well you know what, what what's this computer about he goes well it's, it's the fastest it's the internet it's the fastest way to get on the internet he goes why don't we just call it the imac and that's what they ended up doing that's so funny it's so funny i remember when he came in with the ipod and wanted to call it miso yeah, and we were just like, uh... <laughs> but the the other beauty about the iPod, and when you go back to just the way you frame things at that time, to your point, there were other devices, right? But they were all talked about storage. Oh, we've got three gigs, we've got five gigs, whatever those number were, right? Yeah. His point was, no, just tell people you have a hundred songs in your pocket. Exactly. That's all they care about. They don't. And understand it was a thousand. A gig. It was ten thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This is yeah, this it's so true. Many songs at your fingertips. Yeah, the, he was always about making the output. The hero, yeah. like whatever yeah. you wanted to do with it. I remember it's funny that you brought that up, Caleb, about like the the name. And I I remember there was a there was talk about like when iPod started to blow up, it was like we need to tell people that this is different. Like this is this is a specific thing because, like you said, there's 30 different kinds of MP3 players out there, and people are just walking into these. Remember when Apple was sold and actually like Best Buy and consumer electronics stores? Comp people USA. Are, people are walking in asking for iPods and they're selling them. You know, it's become like Kleenex. And Steve was just like, that's it. That's all I want. I don't care. Like that's, that's we like, that's it. We've done it. Like, right. We won. Keep on going. There was an article that I just read the other day on this topic about the, the biggest change for them was when they made the iPod available to use on windows pcs yeah and they made an itunes app for windows pcs and there was a lot of debate at apple and the article said and i don't remember this but the article said that jobs was really conflicted and i think he obviously made the decision to allow it to be there because there was i remember there was a big debate like going up to those markham meetings you know about because one guy was saying like oh no this is a trojan horse excellent it's gonna, right you know, which That's is what it turned say. out to be. But another one says, hey, we're giving, nobody's going to buy our computer if we start selling these accessories for other computers. I remember that. Yeah, it's true. And I think I, what I remember was Jobs saying, yeah, but this is an opportunity to get an Apple product in their hands of somebody who's using a PC. Because I think going back to the ease of use thing, that's what made Apple so special. It was like, it was so much easier to navigate on a PC basis or a, you know, on the iPod, you know, just from a, a music playback standpoint, it was so much easier on Apple products. Yeah. Well, I think the thing that to me, and was, still is, I was thinking about this last night. Do you remember when he would stand up and he would, he would do this certain Remember, I mean, Apple, obviously not to go too deep cut on the history of Apple, but like when he came back, there was something like 75 SKUs and he cut it down to like three because yeah. Apple yeah. was making cameras printers, yep. heart, like all kinds of stuff. And he made it, and he basically drew that square. The that four grid. box. It was like, yeah, yeah there was desktop, yeah. laptop, pro, consumer. That's yep. it. We will never make anything outside that. And then I'm not sure if switchers came. I think switchers came before the iPod. 
But suddenly it was like, we need to get people to switch from Mac. Everyone loves Apple. Genius was great. Think Different was great. But no one thinks they can have an Apple because they go, they get out of school and they get a job and they get a PC. So we need to figure out a way to get people to switch to Mac and spent years trying to do that. And then here comes the iPod. I think he had a hard time figuring out where that thing fit in his grid of four things. Yeah. And yeah. I remember he and Lee talking about when it got, when they got it to a place where it was great, they were like, we did it. We did it. And I was like, what are they talking about? And Steve was just like, we made a $299 computer. This is the future of the company. Like I've always like he, his whole thing was like, he wanted to make the best computer possible for the least amount of money. And suddenly the iPod, which started as this, as this music player, suddenly had an interface, suddenly had an operating system, suddenly had, so if you thought, thought about it, it was a computer. And then I think that was where it was like, okay, now we can keep going. It was the best selling product in their portfolio. Yeah. And the yeah. funniest thing about Apple is when they came out of the iPhone, they took that best selling product and just made it a free app on the iPhone. I one of my all time favorite Apple stories was when I moved, when I moved to England <laughs> When I moved to England, I had been going to the Marcom meetings for probably like three or four years, like every week flying up for Wednesday meeting with yep. Steve where, you know, who knows what would happen or what you would see. And I remember it was like the time where Lee was going to say to Steve, because Steve had to be prepared for like another person coming in. So it was a stage like, hey, Steve, Andrew's going to go off to Europe and, and run Apple in Europe. Or we're going to bring a new person in. Uh, and he wasn't really paying it. He was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. Like, that's great. And then like, he came back to it at the end of the meeting and Steve in Steve fashion, like went out and came back with the latest iPod. He, it was the iPod that had the wheel that was, remember when the wheels turned and then it went yeah. to the one where your thumb, it didn't turn, yep. your thumb made it, you know, yep. he comes back in and he's got, he's got this new wheel and it doesn't click anymore. And it's like, it's incredible. You guys got to try this out. And so we're all fooling around with it and, and. James this is like, well, you know, this is Andrew's last meeting. Like, just again, we're going to close the loop on Andrew now. This is Andrew's last meeting. He's off to a great adventure. You know, his wife is pregnant with their second kid and it's going to be really great. And, you know, he's off to it. And Lee, I remember Lee was like, yep, it's going to be a wonderful adventure, Andrew. We, you know, thank you so much. And Steve is sitting on the, across the table and he's still got the iPod in his hand. And he just goes, God, I love this wheel. <laughs> and it was so, he did not give a crap. He was just like... <laughs> God, I love this wheel. <laughs> I mean, remember that time when we wanted to you know, introduce the concept of account planning and account strategy? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> and I forgot Thomas the Bassett. guy's name. Thomas, Thomas Bassett. Bassett, yes. Oh, Bassett. He, I saw he, him recently. He came up with these boards and he was presenting all this stuff. And I remember Jobs was like, you know, staring at the stuff. He was facing the board, not the conference table where we were all sitting. He had turned his chair around. And at the end of like, I don't know, 15, 20 minute presentation, Thomas concluded his stuff. It was all smart thinking. And then Jobs turned around and said, okay, what else we got? <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I remember it was like, I remember was the, wasn't the presentation about like urban, it was like, you know, getting Apple into the being becoming more urban and more. He was, more yeah, he was talking about the evolution of the target. It was all right. smart thinking. Yeah, I mean, it was, right. But, but it was like Jobs had just no appetite for that. Yeah. You know, one of the things I always resented was when a, a media representative would come and say, oh, doesn't Jobs just dictate the media plan? And right. I was offended by that because that, uh, he had he had a couple of he had a handful of media properties that we had to be in. 
But other than those, we we did a lot of work from a strategy standpoint, from a research and development standpoint, a negotiation standpoint. Absolutely. To, to deliver on that. And I hated when people just assumed that he made all the... Well, and you had, I, again, in yeah. those, being in those situations where it's like, you know, you know, again, from the account side where it's like, we don't have an ad yet. We may have an ad or we might not, but we need to book the space. You know, your whole ability to like, you know, fungibility was a thing way before it was a thing yeah. on the Apple media team. And yeah. and then the ability, again, the strategy of like, okay, was it the, was remember the four, it was time Newsweek. Remember the four, you know, the four, the four horses. Newsweek. <laughs> yeah. Where you had to rally and get, you know, every back into your point, Chris, like every back cover, every back section, we need USA Today tomorrow. Yeah. Like the ability to pull that off. I mean, I, I can't remember a time. I mean, even I know we always joke about like we're in the meeting and Steve says this, ad, like finally he's decided the ad's okay and it's going to run. And he's like, he's also a huge fan, friends fan. And he's like, oh, you know, this, this, the series finale is this weekend. Let's, can we, can we get this on there? And Monica just goes, sure. <laughs> and we drive away and she picks up the phone and calls Caleb. And it's just like, we need to get on the series finale of friends. You know, I don't care what it means. Yeah. I won't, I won't use the words that she used. And then you did, you did that. Like, I can't remember a time where it was like, it never did. It ever didn't happen. Like I cannot remember one situation or one instance, no matter how badly we'd blown through the deadline or how wrong the materials were or that we missed a deadline or made a mistake or made a mistake. Yeah. That's the bigger part. We never made a mistake. Yeah. It really redefined what impossible meant in, in our business. I think when you think about like all the Herculean last second moves should never have been possible, but you know, right. it, if you have the right people talking to the other right people, I mean, there were times, I remember one time we were off for Christmas break, but then there was a problem with the inserts on one on the magazines. And I had to call the publisher of Vogue magazine. And I said, we, we, we can't run the insert. Ha ha ha, Caleb. I thought you just said you can't run the insert. It's not you. you. <laughs> he was on vacation. So he, he, he was, he was like mortified. I mean, he, for first of all, I think he was on a beach in the Seychelles or something. Right. But I think, you know, he said, we've already printed the magazine. We already have the pagination. You know, you're going to be, we had like, you know, page 13 is when the Apple, and then, so now people are going to go from page 12 to page 24, and there's going to be a huge void in the magazine. And I said, look, delay the printing. We just need two more weeks and you're going to be late, but you'll, that, that way you'll end up getting the insert and and he ended up doing it. I, I, I couldn't believe that. Like Tom Brady. <laughs> I, I didn't, you know, I don't know what they had to do on their end because they were obviously late getting to the printer, but they have, they have buffers and they have things they, they can move around on their end, you know, but it, it was always a miracle every, every week there was something miracle. Well, I think the other thing was that it was once you get them to say yes, the, the media, yeah. whether it's broadcast or print or whatever, you've set a precedent. And then they can they can exactly. never come back and say, I can't do that. It's like, no, you, you can because you've done it. <laughs> well, and especially because you made it, right? You can say like, you can't say no because you yeah. said yes, I, I promised and I delivered for you and, you know, and it worked. So let's do it again, right? We can do this. But this goes back to, and I want to kind of bring this around to, I think it worked because we talked about a couple of different things. One, 
we had people who cared, right? We all really, really cared about what was happening and we wanted to be the best. Two was we were in the trenches because we were in the office together. We were all fighting. Yeah. We were all commiserating. We were all, you know, helping each other climb that next rung, right? To get that next thing done. Yep. I don't know if that works today. I don't know with everybody working yeah. from home. Do you have that same com camaraderie? Do you have that same sense of let's get it done together as opposed to I'm off my Zoom call and go make some lunch now and I'll talk to you guys later. But yeah, it's not it's not possible. It's just not. And it's not. I and mean, I think it's a lot to do with the personality as well. You know, the person that is pushing you. And it's funny. I heard someone the other day talking about like, you know, is the, you know, to use a, is the asshole CEO like, is that the right, is that the right way? Is that the, like, did that serve us well? And you look at the, you know, you look at those people in this day and age and you wonder, like, I don't know, again, again, there was something about that time, but like, you know, there's no, there's, there, there aren't those, there aren't those dynamic figures out there that are leading these businesses. It's very rare. It's very well, there's, rare. it's the, it, it's the dynamic figure, but it's also Apple. Like everybody wanted Apple and they wanted that creative and they would bend over backwards. Like, you know, you, Nobody was going to stop the presses for Lowry's season salt. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I, you know, part of it was there was this insidious relationship between the media and the Apple business that just worked because they wanted it so badly. It was like a drug. Well, it was also like a badge of honor to say that you won the latest campaign from Apple. Chris, do you remember how many times we got offered free space or free ad oh so true and right. we turned it down because we didn't want to be in in the in that particular media vehicle constantly could you imagine today if you had to go to steve jobs and be like we need to do it we need to do nine second ads for instagram he'd i think i just don't think he would do it i think he'd be like we're not doing that i don't know i just it's a hard it's a hard it's a tough question i agree i remember all the like the five second bumpers and the you know, I was in the grocery store the other day and they had Apple ads on the, on the dividers between the, between the yeah. groceries. And I was just like, God, like Steve would just be like, you know, at the meeting, who did this? <laughs> <laughs> I want to know who did this. <laughs> he would impale Phil Schiller with those I checkout still, dividers. I remember when George Neal put, he put the price on an ad and he stood up and was like, I want to know who approved this. And it was George had to sort of, you know, it was it was all of yeah. a twist. Like, you want more? <laughs> and he had to stand up. And it was just like, it was, and again, price would never appear on an Apple ad. What are you, crazy? I remember we were running an insert. It was on the, the profession, professional side. And it was not supposed to drop until like Monday morning. And Jobs had flown into Dulles, was walking through the airport at like midnight or one in the morning. And at a Hudson, and at a Hudson News, oh, some God. guy got bored. So he brought out the next day's version of time. And he saw it. And of course, that. Steve sees it and just goes ballistic, right? Like, you guys told me Monday morning at this time. Why am I seeing it Sunday night? And he's just like, because some guy was bored and decided to get ahead on his job. I, I, I can't help that. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. I remember we had to, oh my God. That's the thing. I always wondered about like the, the, that, the, the thing right now, like the, the confidentiality and the, and the, and the things you had to go through to, to sort of satisfy that level of confidentiality were so but now leaks are just a regular thing like uh, there's no like there's no specialness to when tim cooks unveils something i already read about it a week before yeah remember when remember when i don't know if you guys were around but i remember we were sending we were sending print ads i mean do people even do print ads anymore we were sending print <laughs> ads 
to Steve at Kona Village in Hawaii and in FedEx, he ripped open the package and threw it away and then called up and was like, wait, you're missing, you're, you're missing X, Y, and Z. Where's the, you know, where's the, where's the Power Mac ad? What's the, it's like, no, Steve, it was in the, it was in the package. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. Well, I threw it away. And then it was like, so we had to find a private investigator in Hawaii to go to Kona Village, to go through the garbage, to find the FedEx envelope, to find the print ad that was in the FedEx envelope because, <laughs> because if that leaked, you know, the world would end. Yeah. Well, for product shots, you had to fly somebody up to Cupertino, rent a van, yeah. take the product, drive it down to Los Angeles where the photo shoot yeah. was, and then drive the van back to Cupertino to drop the product back off. So crazy. We used to double code name everything. So that way he knew, oh, that wasn't my that wasn't our code name. That was their code name. <laughs> Look at them. I remember when we were in uh when I was working, we did an insert in England for for I'm not sure what it was for, but it was like a big insert. We had to find a private printing company and we had to lock down the, the facility. And this guy, basically there was only one printing company that was big enough to produce enough inserts. Again, all the issues that we all face, like timing, yep. the deadlines here. Okay, well, we need to find three presses in the same building that can print this thing out. It has time to dry that we can ship off. So we found this press and the guy had enough presses to run the insert, but he had like a third machine that was running. There was a big like Land Rover insert that was coming through too. So he couldn't stop it. So Apple's like, you need a security, you need 24 hour security around this press to make sure that no one sees what's going on. And then the clients came to, to inspect and we hired this guy from Madame Tussauds <laughs> Wax Museum, who was a security guard, like a rent-a-cop, who sat by this sat by this printing press, to, like just sat there for for when Apple arrived, and he was just like he was he was falling asleep. He was like, it was the funniest thing, and it was just all they had to do was walk by and see it, and be like, okay, okay, you're good, you're good. I remember it was Christine mm. Weil came over on her big her big jaunt to England, and it was like. We were just like, oh my God, I hope she doesn't realize he works for Madame Tussauds. Oh my God, I hope she doesn't realize like he's not like, it was just a, but again, the confidentiality that had to happen, you know, that the, the rooms with the locks and the, and the covered windows and the, you know, all the stuff that you just couldn't do just added to the, just added to the like, oh my God, we're working on the most important Yeah, the thing. redundancies that we had. I remember every time there was a leak, I'd get a call from Monica K. Rowe and she goes, please tell me that wasn't us. And I was like, nope. <laughs> so funny so i mean funny. the specialness of those launches is all gone away because yeah you know i mean there's there's no i mean the I, they just can't keep the secrets anymore you know and yeah. and i don't think they try i i think it's it, well and the again, cat's out of the bag and tim again i mean i think tim cook is a brilliant brilliant person and he's the reason why that company he was the reason why that company i mean i think i remember he would come into the marcom meetings when steve was there and steve was like this is the guy that has saved the company because he's cleaned up our distribution issues. He's cleaned up all the inventory that we couldn't get rid of. He was always, and it was like, so that guy is incredible, but you know, the, the, the cult of personality that was Steve. And then the idea that you would, you would run this machine to launch this product all the way up to a big unveiling in person, you know, at Macworld or, you know, at, Macworld San Francisco, you know, I, it's funny. My kid goes to school in San Francisco and we drove by Moscone 
just this past weekend. And I just could feel my, I could feel my body. And I was like, where are we? Where are we? I look over. I was like, Oh my God, there's the Moscone center right there. <laughs> and it was like, you know, it was like a presidential election every three months for every quarterly product launch that he was doing. Yeah. And it was just like the, it was, it was just, but that was the thing that made everyone work so hard and run so fast. I left right before they launched the iPhone and I was actually working on another brand at a different agency that produced like cell phones. And I was like, you know, what could Apple do that's going to change the, this market? Cause you know, back then it was all flip phones and blackberries yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, Oh, that's how they do it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, they, they, they haven't had a product, I think since the iPhone that has kind of changed the game. Like if you yeah. go back to all the other things that we talked about, whether it was the iPod or an all-in-one computer, they haven't really done anything like that. I mean, I Chris and I were talking about the the VR headset that they developed. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, five people have that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and I, I don't know. It's 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 such a funny thing. Well, I mean, I Chris and I were talking. We think the next thing for Apple is they're going to be they they've kind of morphed into an entertainment company. Yeah. And the things that they're producing right now is content and less about the actual hardware and software. I have a question for you guys. Do you think, do you think if, if you could reanimate Steve Jobs, <laughs> you could exhume and reanimate Steve Jobs. Zombie Steve Jobs. <laughs> yes. Zombie Steve Jobs, fully functional, you know, mentally. <laughs> but maybe there's some decay, decay to your point, Caleb. Uh, I, I submit to you that he would he would see what the iPhone has become and go, Oh my God, what have I done? If he saw people staring, if he saw people hunched with their backs hunched over, staring into this thing in their hand to the point where they were cutting themselves off from the rest of the world and to create this own little world that you're in, where you can walk around the grocery store with your speakerphone on and not care that anyone else hears you. He would go, Oh crap. I didn't, that's not what technology does. I mean, but I also, it, it is an interesting question because I also feel like he would then be like, wait, how much did we make? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do remember he called, and I believe it was the iMac, and Caleb, you'll probably, because back back when you first started, I believe when he first started, it was the iMac, maybe it might have been even earlier, like the original Mac, that he called it a bicycle for the mind. Yeah, and exactly. And that was always to your point, like, it's a, it's, it should be exercising and allowing you to go to more places, not yeah. just consuming you. Yeah. Well, I remember when they brought in iPhoto, like iPhoto was the new thing. And he brought in, he brought in this, he brought in this developer, whoever created it and was like, had him show his, he showed us his trip to Disneyland. And remember you could do the slideshows and they had the, and you could do the music and you could have the slideshow. And he was just like, this is why we, this is why we do this. Like we, 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 you know, you've got all your photos in a shoebox underneath your bed. You're probably going to lose them. This allows you to take them, make something even better out of them and share them with everyone. And this is what technology should do. And he would always talk about like, like we can do word processing and Excel spreadsheets, but like, that's not what makes people sing. What makes people sing is this thing that changes your life. Now you have some 16-year-old watching a TikTok of somebody drinking like a gallon of mayonnaise. <laughs> exactly. Or eating, you know, eating cinnamon until they their head yeah. explodes. It's like he would be shocked, I think. 
but I think you know he. You're right. I think he wanted he wanted the Mac to be the instrument that was going to create the next symphony or the exactly. next piece of the next great novel or movie or whatever. You know, I mean, he owned Pixar at one point. Yeah, and I think that he. he you're right. I think it's that dichotomy. He would be upset, but also thrilled that so many people are buying his product. Yeah. And to your earlier point, like when you said, like, obviously there was 50 or a or hundred different kinds of MP3 players. Someone came to him and said, this is digital music. And cause he wasn't remember that. I always remember that famous quote from Wozniak where, where Steve Jobs would be like, you know, you know, Woz was the, was the, the only one that knew more about computers than I did. And Steve Wozniak was like, he doesn't know anything about computers. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I mean, to your point, like when he did come back and he got rid of everything in the pipeline. Yeah. And they had like nothing. He, they were already working on the IMAC. They were already working on, yeah. you know, some of that stuff. And he pointed to it and said, that's what we're going to exactly. focus on. He's the guy he that got said, rid of all the other noise. And exactly. he said, we're going to focus on this stuff. And, and that's what his brilliance was. I agree. To be able to, I, to, to foreshadow what, what people wanted. And that's why, I mean, honestly, I think that's why they're, relationship with Shiat was so good because I think Lee Clow was another person that, you know, again, he could walk into a room and see 40 different ideas on the wall and go that one. And that would be the one. I remember one time we were in one of those Marcom meetings and Jobs was not liking the creative and he was trying to explain what he was looking for. And I saw Lee literally taking a pen and writing on a napkin. Yeah. And he goes, is this what you want? He showed it to only Jobs could see it. He goes, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Meeting was over, went back, <laughs> produced an ad. It was approved like the next week and production ensued. But it was like crazy how that stuff actually happened. Yeah, and I don't think that stuff is. And again, I haven't watched any of the biopics. I don't think that kind of stuff was was captured. No, and I think you're right. I think it's a really important point. And I was thinking this morning, like you know, I think I always thought about like why was I able to? I mean, we've we'd all seen him throw people out of the meeting, you know, like yeah, who were who had for some reason said something the wrong way, or were taking notes at the wrong time, or like I would sit there and take notes, and I was cleared to take notes for some reason. I don't know why, but anyone else would do it. And he'd be like, there's no, no taking here. Yeah. Because I think he knew that I would be the one that would send the, all I did was send, all I did was send meeting recaps for five years. That's <laughs> yeah. literally all I did. I mean, you did more than that. I took good notes, but it was like, I was allowed to do that. But like, I think that my point is like, I think that like the personalities in that room, like when I first met him and they were like, this is Andrew, he's going to help James and Lee keep the trains on the tracks. And he was, it was just like the, you know, the, the side, the Battlestar Galactica, like his heads up display was just like, yeah. okay, this yeah. guy's okay. And yeah. I was in until I wasn't okay. But I think that to be in that room, it was like, there couldn't be an ego other than Steve's obviously. And I would, you know, I would put that like Lee again, like he has no ego. Like he's the kind of person that can sit there and say like, I'm just trying to fix this, Steve. Here's an idea. Yeah, exactly. Like that's why it worked. Not like, my idea is the best idea and it's a, it's the best idea because it's my idea. It was, there's no ego whatsoever, which is the key. Yeah. It was just executing his vision. I remember him saying like when he retired, he was just, when Lee retired, he was like, I'm just glad that no one thinks I'm like, I can walk away and people will be like, Oh yeah, Lee Clow. He was a good guy. Like that's literally all he wanted. And I think about that. I, and again, I use that in my, like, I feel like when I, when I walk away from all, from all this, guys you know when i <laughs> shuffle off this mortal coil all i want is people to be like oh yeah andrew he was a good dude good dude yeah you know i asked monica 
one day, I said, why is Jobs still doing this? Because, I mean, the guy worked 24-7. And yeah. he was, you know, rich. He had so much wealth. I said, so why, why doesn't he just, why doesn't he just go peace out? And, you know, she said something to me that I always remember. She said, it's not about making money for him. It's about his legacy. Yeah. Right. And he, and people like Steve Jobs or Larry Ellison or all these other guys, they are in it, not for the money. They're in it to be remembered for something. And I said, but he's already got that. Nobody, like if he was gone tomorrow, everybody would still look at him as this genius in his mind. He's never done. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's true. It's such a weird thing. I wonder though, I, it's funny because like I was thinking about like, oh, you know, talking about Apple with these guys and like, it's been a long time since I thought about it. And like, is it, you know, is it still relevant? Do people look back today and still think like, God, Steve Jobs, like he's like, or is it just, is his influence, is it, what is his legacy now? Like, what is his legacy? Does it still exist? Is it still, you know, I just wonder about that. I don't know if like, you know, the TikTok watching, you know, kid, even knows who Steve Jobs is. Yeah, I had to, I had to give this presentation when I was at Wyden, and it was like it was like a like to the agency about like you know just it was like a chance to get people just to just know about everyone, and so I was like, we want you to present about Apple, and it was such a hard thing to do because it was like I don't know, I just don't want to sit again. It's like I don't want to sit here and talk about it. I don't want to sit here. The weirdest thing, I'll never forget this. It was like it kept getting canceled and canceled and canceled, and um. And it went, it was canceled for like a year. And then the day they were like, okay, Andrew, you know, you can, you can do the presentation today. Would you mind doing it today? And I was like, all right, whatever. And I looked and it was the, it was the one year anniversary of his death mm. that Ooh. day. It was crazy. Ooh. It was such a weird thing. Such a weird thing. Our discussion with Andrew and all things Apple continues in our next episode.